0: You're listening to Kingdom Empire and Plus Ultra Conversations on the History of Portugal and Spain, 1415 to 1898. A podcast series brought to you by HistoryHub.ie and UCD School of History. Palmira Fontes da Costa is Assistant Professor in Historiography, History of Science and Bioethics at the Universidade Nova de Lisboa. Her main research interests are the history of medicine and natural history, science, medicine and the Portuguese empire and the history of the medical book in the early modern period. Originally a biochemist by training, Professor Costa received a PhD in the History of Science from the University of Cambridge in 2000, working on the experience of the singular at the Royal Society of London in the 18th century. Professor Costa is a member of the Inter-University Centre of the History of Science and Technology, a centre that brings together historians of science, technology and medicine from the two major universities in Lisbon, the University of Lisbon and the New University of Lisbon or NOVA. She is also an associate member of the Portuguese Centre for Global History, or SHAM, at Nova. She's the author of a number of books and articles, including The Singular and the Making of Knowledge at the Royal Society of London in the 18th Century, published in 2009. And she's the editor of a number of works, including Percursos na História do Livro Médico, or Trajectories on the History of the Medical Book 1450-1800, co-edited with Adelino Cardoso and published in 2011, as well as Medicine, Trade and Empire – Garcia de Orta's Colloquies on the Simples and Drugs of India in Context, published in 2015. She's a member of the editorial boards of the journals Filosofia e Historia da Biologia and host, a journal on the history of science and technology. Professor Costa, Palmira, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: You're very welcome. So, Palmira, we are in fact today speaking about the Portuguese physician herbalist and naturalist Garcia de Orta. So on the 12th of March 1534, Garcia de Orta left Lisbon for India, taking with him his brief experience as a lecturer in natural philosophy at the University of Lisbon, as well as a medical education at the University of the Salamanca and Alcalá de Henares, as well as some years of medical practice in Portugal. And at the time of Orta's departure for India, uh, Portugal had seen the growth of its empire in the east And his departure also occurred shortly after the establishment of the Inquisition in Portugal in 1531, an event that would actually prove fateful for Orta due to his Jewish ancestry. And it was in Goa, the capital of the Portuguese Empire of the East, that Orta developed most of his activities, establishing a successful medical and commercial practice in Materia Medica and in precious stones. And he also acted as the physician of governors and viceroys, and for some time as chief physician of the military hospital of Goa. Orta's lifelong project to accumulate knowledge on the Eastern Materia Medica later materialized in his pioneering work, the Colloquios dos Simples e Drogas de India, or the Colloquies on the Simples and Drugs of India, which was published in 1563 and is primarily a medical and botanical book. But while publication of the colloquies can be seen as a high point in Orta's life, it also marks a downward personal trajectory for him marked by poor health and monetary difficulties. He died in 1568. And a year after his death, his family was also persecuted severely. And his sister, Katerina, who was now also living in Goa, was condemned and burned alive on charges of Judaism. And under torture, members of Orth's family admitted that he had in fact been a crypto Jew, which led to his posthumous auto of the in 1580. And as a result of this, his remains were exhumed and publicly burned. After the colloquies, uh, they were quickly suppressed in Portugal and were in fact resurrected only in the middle of the 19th century when the importance of Garcia de Orta's work was acknowledged for the Portuguese history of medicine. So, Palmyra, before we talk about the colloquies himself, can you tell us a little bit about Garcia de Orta and why he's such a significant figure?
1: Um, about Garcia de Orta, it's more difficult to speak about Garcia de Orta. It's easier to speak about why he has acquired such, such a status in history. We don't have many documents, uh, even personal personal documents, uh, by Garcia Dorta that would enable us to speak better about himself. Maybe those documents were burned when uh, uh, when his, his bones were exhumed and burned uh, in, during his posthumous auto de fe later on, after much much later. Uh, I think uh, we also don't have any portrait of Garcia d'Orta from his time, but we get quite a lot from reading the colloquies about Orta's personality. He was certainly an ambitious person, and he was so ambitious that he wanted to put almost everything that he could get in his book about medicinal herbs, but not only medicinal herbs. He was certainly a very curious person, uh besides being ambitious he was at the same time very prudent and he needed to be prudent uh, having into account that he was a jew a jew uh, also a new christian uh he was also ve- very ingenious and you can see that in the way he constructed his work, the Colloquies, uh, very witty, and the, uh, the reading the Colloquies is very entertaining, also because he's so witty in the work. And he was really, indeed, a very learned person. Now, um, about, about why he has acquired, why has he become such a significant figure, especially in Portugal? Not only in Portugal, but especially in Portugal. Um, because one uh, his, his, his book was published in Goa, the capital of the Portuguese Empire during the Golden Age of the Empire, and this association of the colloquies with the Golden Age of the Empire had um, made them an association of of um, had made, had made them as a national uh, a national hero special for lots of people. If you look, if we look at um, the scientists who in Portugal has received more public homages, it was Garcia D'Orta. He has received uh, banknotes, uh, sculptures, uh, drawings, uh, all sorts of things. It's numerous and, it, uh, and that gives an idea also that it is a cherished, 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 cherished person in, in Portugal. Uh, receiving all these homages. Uh, Also this idea that his work by many scientists, but also some historians, that he was very innovative. So if he he is so innovative, he was a pioneer, and if he was a pioneer, he was especially a pioneer of tropical medicine. So that contributes to his status as a a significant figure of Portuguese history. Um, uh, we also shouldn't uh, forget the contribution of Carlos Clusius for the significance that uh, Garcia d'Orta has acquired, because it was Clusius who very shortly after one copy had arrived in Lisbon, spotted the copy, saw the value of the copy, translated it very quickly and made the, that's such a great influence of uh, of the colloquies uh, acquired. So um, I think Carlos Cruz, is in terms of the European significant figure in Europe, is certainly the name to pinpoint. Um, And then in Portugal, the situation is not as clear as you suggest a bit in the introduction. We have this period, especially after the middle of the uh, 19th century, where gradually uh, uh, he he becomes such a prominent figure, and national figure. But before, there was this period of almost three centuries where it was erased from history. So in Portugal, the situation is not the same in Portugal as in other countries.
0: What can you tell us about his early life?
1: Uh, well, again, uh, having into account, especially Joaquin de Carvalho's findings, uh, we don't have much information, but having inqu- uh, in, uh, into account his findings, we know that his parents... Uh, were from Spain they fled to Portugal by the end of the 15th century uh, when Jews were expelled from that country uh, they established themselves in a little village Castelo David which is the capital town now of Garcia d'Orta if you want to do anything and if you are a Jew you go to, to, to Castelo David uh, and then um, it was in this village that Garcia d'Orta was born, around 1500. We don't know exactly if it is 1500, or uh, w- w- one. Uh, 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 yeah. He, he, he had two sisters and an half-brother. Um, slightly before Orta's birth, there was a general law of conversion in Portugal. And within this general law of conversion, Jews needed to decide if they wanted to uh, go for exile, if they wanted to go uh, to live in another country, or if they want to become new Christians. Uh, The difference uh, became from this period between old Christians and new Christians. And uh, Orta's parents decided to uh, convert to Christianity, at least nom- nom- nominally convert to Christianity. So they become a family of new Christians, and it was in this condition that Garcia D'Orta lived to throughout, throughout his life. Um, he, w- he went to study medicine at the University of Salamanca, and then later a li- for, a li- for a few time at the also University of Alcalá. Deanares or Alcala. Uh, He was quite young when he went to study medicine there. Uh, And uh, after obtaining the title, the medical title, he decided to work uh, in his own village of Castelo de Vida for three years. And after these three years, he moved to, to the capital, to Lisbon. And in the capital, he also established a medical practice at that point, he, he was also nominated as one of the physicians of King, Don João III, and uh, then he also hoped for a share uh, at the University of Lisbon, uh, but it was quite, a, quite tough to obtain that share. He needed to wait it for three years. And after waiting for three years, he finally obtained a share in natural philosophy because that was, just because that was the one that was available, he could have tried and ended up up teaching another chair. So um, he kept his natural, his lectureship until 1530. And then it was in 1534 that he departed to to India, that he decided to departure to India.
0: You say he went to study medicine in Salamanca in Spain. And so how did a, a Portuguese Jew, whose parents had, freevi- had previously fled Spain, um, how did he manage to get into university in Salamanca in the first place?
1: Okay, so it was a uh, Portuguese Jew, but there was the law of conversion. So it was a new Christian that's fundamental to understand why he managed to enter Salamanca. Because uh, new Christians uh, formerly were Catholics and if they had Catholics formally they had the same rights, including the same rights of traveling or even of attending the uh, university of a country that was ferociously uh, anti-Semitic. Uh, yeah, uh, So uh, there was also, it was not a crime, a crime to be a new Christian. The problem of the new, new Christians is that they carried with them the burden of suspicion. And that's also why very easily new Christians were accused and ended up in tribunals. It could be the neighbor. It could be even in, in certain cases, there were people from the, from the family who accused them to the Inquisition so it was this huge burden of suspicion that uh, that was fearful for them of course but formally legally they, they could enter to any univer- any portuguese university and any spanish university that that there there wasn't any problem
0: with that and what can you tell us about his his education in medicine in spain um to what extent was medicine in spanish universities rooted in the classical corpus of uh, people like hippocrates and galen
1: Okay, the, the the first note is that there were many Portuguese and especially many new Christians who went to the, to study at the University of Salamanca, like uh, famous, and some of them famous uh, physicians and even famous mathematicians. So it was some uh, that. Then Salamanca uh, was the oldest university of Iberia. Iberia. And uh, so it, then, it had some reputation of being a good university. Like most universities of, of universities of this period, including even University of Cambridge, Oxford, and others, the, 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 the classics, the Hippocrats, especially Hippocrates and Galen, were still the main authorities. So... That there wasn't a difference in, in a difference in that, but there was a difference in something that's very important, and that's associated with humanism and with the Renaissance, which is the redisco- rediscovery of the classical corpus, the new translations being made, and new commentaries being associated uh, commentaries being associated with new translations, and that was being done at the University of Salamanca. So, from a contemporary po- uh, point of view, it was an innovative university. And also, one uh, another author that was being paid attention to was Jos Koridis, the author of Materia Medica, who was a very important author later on for Garcia d'Orta. So, I think that's the main, uh, yeah.
0: And um, by the time of Garcia de Orta's formation as a physician in Spain, per- uh, Portugal was, of course, um, consolidating its imperial hold in India and in Southeast Asia. So what kinds of opportunities existed for the Portuguese who might want to profit from this?
1: Uh, okay, I think the, there were several opportunities. Um, maybe the most um, basic one uh, or for people with low, in lower strata, uh, with not so upper... Status, uh, the military opportunities related with conquer efforts, especially to conquer geopolitically and commercially strategic towns such as uh, Bombay and Diu and other towns, and to construct for- fortresses. Uh, that was also there were also lots of commercial uh, opportunities. Maybe that's uh, the strong strong point here in, in commercial opportunities because after the creation of the sea route to from India to the Atlantic ports there were many things going from one side to, to the other uh, including medicinal herbs in terms of medicinal herbs of uh, pepper was the plant that was most traded between India and and uh, and uh, and Europe but uh, also ginger, cinnamon, nutmeg, and clothes had also an important presence in European markets. Uh, there was also, and this is also a very important one, the, sec- uh, the, th- the third one, I think, the third one, which is the mapping of the natural resources of the East. Uh, we were, uh, this mapping of natural resources was high in the agenda of the Portuguese crown. Uh, there were therefore opportunities uh, for bioprospecting the natural world. Uh, leading to information concerning the places of origin of different materials of the natural world, world, prices, trading routes, evaluation of quality and modes of use. There was a tandem interest here, medical interest and also commercial interest in this bioprospecting bioprospecting activity that was conducted and that was highly valued by by the Crown.
0: Um, Why did he decide to go to India in 1534? Now you know that his decision was partly influenced by his Jewish ancestry. Um, can you explain this?
1: I think uh, it's like that, that. Maybe the best answer will be a combination of factors. Of course, it is likely also that there were reasons associated with it, with his scientific curiosity associated with the Asian natural world. Uh, and all what was going on in an exotic country things that he hadn't seen etc etc i think that was one of the, one of the reasons uh the second reason i'm not prioritizing them i'm just mentioning possible reasons the second one is that he actually he had a job offer he had a job offer of being uh, the physician the personal physician of martin afonso martin afonso de souza the captain of of the in the the seas of the Indian seas, so we, there was this job offer. There was this interest uh, uh, in exotic things and not in the natural world things. For example, that he had learned uh, in Dioscorides' book, and then, but how, how are they? How are they really? And things like that. Uh, but uh, the the fear, the, uh, as I as I said before new christians carry with them the burden of suspicion and the inquisition was going to be established just two days after it departed and when an an, an establishment an establishment like that is being an um, an institution like that is being established people especially he moved in our circles they know what's going to happen they know previously when more or less it's going to happen so i mean the fact that the Inquisition was going to, to, to be established pretty, established pretty soon uh, was also a factor. I think the best answer to these questions and this fear of being a new Christian, uh, and the majority of Jews and new Christians choose Goa and choose India to escape during this period, a more con- turbulent period. Uh, So I think it's the combination of the three factors that in in the end made him go to uh, Goa and uh, to India.
0: Right. And uh, did Orta have predecessors from Portugal already performing similar kinds of work in India before him?
1: Yes. Orta's colloquies are are very much related to the activity of bioprospecting in the East. I already mentioned the activity of bioprospecting. And um, before him, authors such as Tomesh Pirish and Simon Alvarez and even others had compiled important relations of this kind, I mean, where medicinal drugs were described and their properties as well, together with their properties. Uh, physicians and apothecaries as well, living in Goa and uh, Kushin and other parts of India, were encouraged to activities associated with bioprospecting. The difference of artist colloquies in relation to its predecessors is that his work is much more comprehensive. Another important one is that his work is printed, which led to its greater greater impact not only in Portugal and India, but also in Europe. Uh, we need the uh, ears maybe to mention that the printing press was so was only, only established in Goa in fifteen fifty two being uh, the colloquies the fifth book that was ever published there the, the, the another an important factor is that so but why the others, the, the previous relations done by Orta's predecessors were not printed. We could say, okay, they were not printed because there wasn't a printing press when they were there. No, but they could have printed them in Lisbon, in other parts of of the empire. Uh, There was a a certain policy policy of secrecy associated with the new bounties of the East, with things that others didn't know and Portugal didn't want them to, to know because they had also commercial value and uh, st- strategic value.
0: The Política de Sigilo, right?
1: <laughs> uh, sigilo, Política de Sigilo, dos Descobrimentos, that that, uh, that that famous thesis. The fact that they were not published, that the the, the Política do Sigilo, eh? the fact that they were not published, that doesn't mean they didn't circulate, of course. Uh, they didn't, of course, they circulated in a less uh, amount of copies. But other people, it doesn't mean that other people could have access to them. And Garcia Dorta was one of them that could have had access to them. There is evidence that uh, for a manuscript of things related to India and uh, Japan, uh, it is a compilation, a well, manuscript compilation of 25 relations. And these 25 relations, some by uh, identified authors and others by unidentified authors. There is evidence that he, uh, by an historian, Teresa Noble de Carvalho, that he had uh, used significant passages of these original manuscripts without the knowledge, of course, uh, what not? Of course, it could have a knowledge without acknowledging <laughs> uh, where the, the sources were. were, were. Uh, this can also be interesting for the for the for the conversation.
0: To what extent was there an interest in Portugal then in accumulating scientific knowledge of the East from this bioprospecting, oh, utilitarian purposes about? for markets and medicines, or was it just purely scientific curiosity?
1: Uh, I think it was mainly, uh, mainly really, utilitarian purposes. Uh, again, could it could be for some people some curios- scientific curiosity about what, what the answer is, mainly utilitarian purposes. And uh, for several reasons. First one was that we need to consider that the Portuguese Empire was in the tropics and that elf in the tropics which was much more severe. There were problems of decline, corruption, contagion uh, in a different scale than what happened uh, in in Portugal and other European countries. Uh, There were also, um, because of this reason, uh, medical traditions, indigenous medical traditions were also very valuable, very, very valued. Uh, in the accumulation in the process of the accumulation of knowledge because it was the portugal didn't, uh, didn't have, especially in the east the the number of people the portuguese people that composed the empire was really very low so if this this, this problem of other diseases, ways to control them, to uh, uh, of treating them was very important because what was at stake was the survival of the empire itself. Uh, so in this process of accumulating, accumulation of knowledge, we have this this important importance of local of indigenous methods of healing. We also have the importance that also uh, García D'Orta addressed of plants that could cure, could be used to treat the disease or to prevent the disease. And this was as part of the process of accumulation of knowledge. Well, the colloquies are a big book of accumulation of results, that the result of accumulation of knowledge. Uh, uh, thirdly, the process of accumulation of knowledge involved gathering the greatest information for each each product and covering the largest areas as possible in terms of their provenience. This is exactly where lies one of the greatest values of the colloquies, because for most plants that he mentions, for most plants, drugs and spices, the colloquies provide a guiding system for regularization of covering language, prices, places of origin, morphological sensory attributes, as well as the uses according to specific circumstances and bodies. And all of this is of a pragmatic nature, is for utilitarian purposes.
0: So he landed then in Goa, (laughs) which is, as you say, the, the Portuguese, the capital of the Portuguese Empire in the East. And he began working there. Um, What kind of work did he do there initially?
1: Uh, Initially, for four years, uh, he was, remember, he he was with that captain.
0: Martín Afonso de Sousa.
1: Martín Afonso de Sousa, yes. So he stayed with him as a physician uh, and uh, he participated in military campaigns as a physician. Uh, It was also from this date in the South Coast south coast of India. It was also from this date that his first observations of the natural world date and he mentioned some of them in the colloquies. After that in 1538, uh, after that Martin Afonso de Souza went back to Lisbon but he decided to stay and he decided to stay and it was then that he settled in Goa. And once in Goa, of course he was going to, he decided to exercise his medical practice, which became very successful. It was also as you mentioned in the introduction a very um, he had a, a business of precious stones and also he also sold some natural products, uh, apparently, he was really very rich even at, at the, um, a ship besides a sheep, uh, beside the house. And, uh, and 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 uh, an island of the island of Bombay on lease, so he was very well placed within the go society and also very well, be, uh, well very well being um uh, so once he okay he he, he also um uh, become besides that he also became the personal physician of very important persons uh this is aided, aided in later in this life, like the local sultan uh, people local governors of goa uh, like uh, martin afonso Sos who was also for a short time uh, uh, governor but others, and viceroys of India. So it was. Uh, it was also there was a very important uh, um, institution, medical institution, r- the Royal Mil- Military Hospital, and it was also the the physician in charge of that institution uh, for a while. So I think he covered kind of several fronts at the same time.
0: And did he form networks of communication or exchange with other Portuguese physicians or naturalists who might have been working in in various parts of Portuguese Asia?
1: Uh, Yes, he formed. Uh, Well, it was dependent on that to produce that book. (laughs) Really dependent. Um, but there are different kinds of networks. There were networks of, well, I will say, networks of communication, like informal friends, colleagues, people from Goa, where he could speak about all sorts of issues. And he had those uh, human, kind of humanist circles. Uh, one friend from this circle is Dimash Bosch. Another one that's very important that you know also from our history is Luis de Camões who stayed, the, the poet who wrote the, the epic poem, the Lusiyadish, and uh, who stayed there for some years. Most of the epic poem w- was actually written in India. Uh, so he had that circle, kind of friends, humanist friends. He even organized, uh, I don't know the word in English, is soiree, uh, salon. I don't know the, word, the precise word in English. He organized them at his home. Uh, for this to discuss the different uh, issues. Uh, so uh, but now let's see more networks of exchange involved in the making of the uh, making of knowledge. Uh, he also had lots of Portuguese, he he he, he, ca- he mentions them quite often in the colloquies, uh, lots of Portuguese who provided him information about this plant, about the other plant, or even provided him with a little bit of that plant or of that drug, uh, so lot, lot, with the different uh, occupations, like uh, some of them were the most obvious ones, the most the ones that you can encounter more often in the colloquies, like physicians, apothecaries, and merchants. That's the three basic ones, but also, for example, missionaries, soldiers, and eye officials, even of the Portuguese government, uh, etc., but we, we really need to have it, um, into account that his network, Orta's network of informants was much wider, much, much wider than the one that included only the uh, in, uh, Portuguese uh, and included persons from diverse, diverse parts of the world uh, and uh, people who were ethnically and uh, linguistically diverse and who also had a, a wide range of occupations. there were, for example, even translators from Damascus, uh, others from Perth, others from another part of the world. Uh, so his, 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 his network was really huge uh, even at the, well, even at one testimony who provided him with information uh, from as far as the West Indies, almost the other side of the, of the world. Uh, but here, with a crucial issue to understand the importance of all these networks of information, uh, the crucial issue is that the colloquies were geographically vast, and it would have been impossible for Orta to visit all the areas from which medicinal products grew and were traded. Uh, it was, therefore, crucially dependent on networks of informants. That's one very important part of the work.
0: Yeah, so I guess being in Goa then is uh, seems to have been a really important...
1: Yeah, the centurary
0: centre of Goa. Yeah, this, this kind of yeah. trading zone of information, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, yes,
1: yes. In 1548
0: then, he was joined in Goa by his sisters and his mother uh, because they were fleeing persecution in Lisbon. Um, how tolerable was life for a Portuguese Jew in Goa? Um, were his sisters and his mother uh, safer in Goa than they would have been in Lisbon?
1: Uh, they were certainly safer in Goa and they will be in Lisbon because uh, in Goa, first of all, there wasn't yet established the Inquisition, but more importantly even than that, because uh, Garcia D'Orta could protect them, because Garcia D'Orta had these eye connections and then he would be enabled to protect them. Uh, in relation to the, the, your question of the situation of the Jew, Jewish conversos, Jew, Jews, and Jewish conversos or new Christians, uh, there was a period, a period, a period slightly before the introduction of the establishment of the Inquisition in Goa, and the Inquisition was established in 1560, uh, where there were some problems three years where there were some really great problems in Cuxin, in the town of kushin and in the town of Goa, with uh, those advocating the establishment of the Inquisition, perpetrating some crimes against Jews, and even against, against Hindus and people of other religions. And this led to, uh, among other things, to, ex- to the execution of a physician, Jurani Moudiaj, and this physician was uh, executed, was a new Christian, uh, really raised fears among, natural, uh, among new Christians because the one thing is to be a Jew, and if you are a Jew and not a new Christian, you are not so protected. But if you are a new Christian previously, it, it gives you at least some kind of immunity unless you, they don't discover you practicing Jewish, Jewish rituals. And when they, that happened, and, and according to some reports, Christian uh, Garcia Dorta was attending the execution of this physician. There were some problems that that uh, were raised, and, um, and 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 let's say that the, that the new Christians. And then the, the Inquisition was ex- established, as I said in 1560, and it was it became one of the worst, uh, one of the fiercest Inquisitions. Uh, of Portugal and of the Portuguese empire.
0: So in 1563 um, Orta published his seminal work, the Colloquios dos Simples de Drogas de India, or the Colloquies on the Simples of Drugs in India. So what was this work exactly?
1: Uh, well uh, the difficult, it's difficult <laughs> it's, it's a big challenge to say what are the colloquies exactly, because the colloquies are such a porous work and the fact that uh, they, they are written um, in the dialogical format, trying to attend uh, to the interest of so many di- di- diverse audiences, make the work difficult to say what it was really exactly. Uh, if we want to say, you can say, well, it is a, a book about medicinal uh, Uh, drugs, about medical, natural historical, and commercial uh, information, also about philology and things like that. But what I I think is best to stress first is that it is a very ambitious work. The author is ambitious, and this work matches the ambitious author, Uh, because it is ambitious from the content point of view of the work. As I said, in the question of the networks, it is uh, geographically vast. It involves many, many informants. It involves quite uh, many products that are being described, whose properties are being described, at least 75 in more detail. Uh, So uh, 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 it's also ambitious in the sense that it intends to capture uh, quite lo- uh, a great, a wide, a wide audience, an audience that's not uh, just of Portuguese living in, in 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 India or in Goa, for example, who are uh, who are apothecaries or physicians, but then also an, an audience that includes m- merchants, that includes uh, uh, even at someone it, it can include even someone who just gets entertained by reading the colloquies. Because there are some parts of the colloquies that are a bit similar to travel literature, uh, it, it can also um, attract uh, other other people because uh, that are not necessarily Portuguese. Because the Portuguese language was important in terms of trade in that area. And other people that were not Portuguese could understand Portuguese. So in, in terms of language, it could, it could it could attract quite a lot of a number of people. But it also uh, vast uh, in terms of the, the intended audience, because it, it also wanted to capture the attention of fellow uh, naturalists, of fellow physicians back in Europe, having into account all the considerations he makes about ancient authors uh, and modern authors that uh, have said something about materia medica. So it is really, I, th- I think, uh, 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 especially from these perspectives, a, a very amb- ambitious, ambitious work. And then there is also that system of regularization that I mentioned at one of the questions, uh, the, the trying to provide for each uh, the language, uh, the price, the route, the trading route. And all the, that, that 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 part that's also the colloquies uh what I would say definitely is that the colloquies are not just a medical and natural historical work uh, are uh, and that 's what is a bit um lost when we get the adaptation of, of Clusius. It becomes more just a medical and natural historical work.
0: Now, can you tell us a little bit about the structure of the work? Um, why do you think he chose the format of a dialogue?
1: Okay, the structure of the work. The work opens with, I think it's an arsenal that exists, it's a web kind of an uh, is with an arsenal of five peratexts, and two others at the end of the work. So five, seven texts. That's really a great strategy of, he really wanted to be legitimated. He wanted to be legitimated and also to el- el- make eulogies of others were important for the protection for the work to be published. Uh, uh, so af- after that, this uh, it has a set, uh, it, um, the colleagues have then divided in 59 conversations. Most of the conversations are between Orta and Ruano, a person that's also a physician and younger to uh, Orta, who said who had come from Spain in order to learn more about Asian materia medica and all these new things that it could f- find in Asia. Other characters appear in the dialogues, uh, such as servants mainly that servant that's very known, uh, Antonia, because it's the only servant uh, that's known by the name, and also because she has a a great knowledge of medicinal herbs, and often during the dialogues, she goes and gets more herbs for order and for some, uh, to discuss some issue with Juano. Uh, There are also two physicians who appear in the, uh, in, in the work, one is an indigenous physician and another an European physician, Dimash Bosch, his friend and colleague Dimas Bosch. It's interesting having this, kind, this, this complementarity of the, the two uh, backgrounds uh, uh, <coughs> in terms of characters that appear in the colloquies. Then it appears after that, I'm, I'm just following the structure of the book. Then it appears an errata of 20 pages that according to the history of the printing press, it is the greatest errata ever in a book. Uh, of course, uh, uh, the printing press hadn't been established uh, in, in Goa very recently, but it seems that there were also some problems with the main printer that was absent you- during the, the publication of the book, which is a bit strange because the uh, main printer being absent during the publication of such an important work, uh, it's also strange that the uh, author apparently, apparently didn't attend to the publication of this book because it was co- co- uh, usually in the beginning of the printing press in the first uh, decades. and uh, If the book was very important, uh, the author supervised the work in order to reduce the number of mistakes. So, this is, uh, and then uh, the dialogic format. Uh, then um, I think that um, this is the place of the the, the place no, the topic of the colloquies where more conjectures have arrived. And one thing I, I like really about the colloquies is that place that still gives the conjecture. Uh, that other more formal works don't enable. Uh, I think in the end, there are, of course, there are several reasons why artists chose the dialogical format. It was not just one, it was several. Uh, In a way, they could give the work a more innovative flavor than just uh, a series of declarations in a treatise. It was also a form of advertising in terms of the persuasion of readers. Uh, it was certainly more engaging, and with the likelihood of attracting uh, different kinds of readers, it could attract, like we, when we were mentioned, I think in the other question, uh, a, a, a merchant uh, or, or uh, a scholar. Uh, what what it had uh, the, the potential to attract more diverse kinds of readers. Uh, it was less compromise. it was a less, it implied a, a less compromising way of saying things because most of the ways used to say things was in terms of questions, usually by Juano, or in terms of remarks, and of say, oh, it could be this, but it could also be that. And If it was a treatise, it could be more affirmative. It would be likely to be more affirmative and we can see in this way maybe this dialogical format could be also a way to escape more the censorship of certain at least of certain things that were being uh, read read said sorry and were being said uh, however i think the more in my view the most important reason why it shows the dialogical format uh, was that it enabled him to, to give a portrait of himself throughout different pages it, 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 it enabled him to give the portrait of an impeachable citizen and he says bluntly that he is trustworthy, that is courageous, that is resolute, that is modest, that is open-minded and even more uh, also to present himself as a successful physician. And here it's important for the success of the book as well. Readers wanted to have the idea that they're going to learn something uh, uh, from 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 what he says, being a successful physician, and even more importantly, the idea that he is a, a Catholic, that he goes to church, that he does that regularly. Uh, this suited especially the, the this this portrait especially the the Catholicism, but not only suited his aspirations for publication of the colloquies, as well as his concern for protecting his family. Because he he reinforced his his persona uh, as as being a a Catholic person, but, but also uh, important uh, physician so you need me you know you need me for all this practice all these strange diseases you know you need me for that as well
0: in your opinion how original is the colloquies or are the colloquies sorry
1: so here there is also some controversy but there's more controversy in the within the dialogical format uh I, well i i think it depends for whom uh, they would certainly have been considered more original in in Europe uh, of the time than in India. Certainly, obviously, uh, the book had several things that we didn't even know know here. So why not so much in India? I, in part, I already answered. Well, in India, in the colloquies, a considerable number, amount of information was dependent on others who acted as informants, and some of the information was even known by other physicians, apothecaries and merchants living in Goa or other parts of India. Uh, But in any case, I would like to say and to emphasize that in any case, that overall, the colloquies were certainly innovative. It depends, as I said, but overall, I think they were certainly innovative in that uh, uh, they corrected many er 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 erroneous notions about Indian plants and described several important plants and their uses for the first time. Um, There is maybe a Eurocentric tendency here, but it's it's still what I think. Um, uh, Also, the effort of systematization of all the properties, that was new. Uh, the, they combined different medical traditions. That was new for a book in that time to combine different medical traditions, European and indigenous ones. Uh, and besides that, they presented a strong critique of ancient and modern authors on Asian Materia Medica, and that was new as well.
0: So if the Inquisition was established in Goa in 1560, and it was the Inquisition itself that was responsible for the censorship of books, um, how did orta actually manage to get the colloquies published?
1: Well, the general understanding is that orta managed to secure the publication of the book because he had very influential patrons. We already mentioned here some of some of them uh, and exactly because of that, some of the influential patrons are dedicated are te- that there are texts in the colloquies dedicated to them uh so that's the, that's the 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 view, and they definitely add a role. I think in uh, making it possible for the colloquies to be published. There is a different view from Inez Zupanov, Zupanov uh, which I think uh, it is very interesting, exactly because it goes against the, the normal way or the usual way of viewing things, and she says that. Um Arthur managed to print the colloquies because they were not very innovative. So she's against the thesis that the colloquies were innovative. She says exactly because they were not innovative innovative in Goa huh? innovative in Goa and the arts of India. That's also that relative uh, way of looking at the issue of, of innovation and therefore did not conform to the rules of secrecy imposed on previous relations concerning Indian natural resources by some of the predecessors that we mentioned, That policy of secrecy, the, the sigilo, exactly, because they don't need to obey the, the, that sigilo because everybody knew it already. They could be published. There was no problem at all with that. So there's are these two different views on the issue.
0: Yeah. And... Aside from the fact that the author of the colloquies, the author himself, was Jewish, um, there were other reasons that the Inquisition might have censored it too. Right? Um, I'm talking about the content of the book itself.
1: Yes, uh, I think that there are some reasons. Uh, well, I choose four chapters for 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 subjects. Two are about hallucinogenic drugs. One is about cannabis, now named cannabis. And uh, there is about the, tu- the Tura, they bought hallucinogenic drugs. And um, that, uh, one of the precepts, pre- precepts of the Inquisition for not censoring books is that they are, it's that they are written according to good manners to take an hallucinogenic drug would not be behaving having taking being having having good manners as having good manners so here we could be could see potential problems uh, but it's interesting the way Orta deals with the issue with this uh, kind of contorns the issue because datura what it does it does he mentions the tour and some of the effects of the, of the tour, hallucinogenic effects of the tour, when he visits a woman who suffers from these hallucinogenic eff- effects. That is, when he's being a doctor, when he's in the exercise of his profession, is attending to someone who's suffering from something. If it is hallucinogenic, it is hallucinogenic, but it is in that uh, in, in that way, and when it, it, it speaks about uh, cannabis, uh, it speaks about cannabis, and um, it, it says that uh, it's not such. He um, has taken the care. It's ne- it, it, it stresses that he has never he has never taken the drug. First, yes, never take. Okay, others take it, and it is either they cry or they start smiling and having these extreme attitudes. Uh, but me, I never took it, and I never asked, asked my, my servants to take it. So, uh, so of course, so he, he describes the thing, but then he, he makes this the the, the, the this this, this he notices this this, this this as well. Uh, there is also another one which is a cocoa, a, a, speci- a specific kind of cocoa. The coco this cocoa has a aphrodisiac properties, but he opts uh, he chooses not to mention them. Unlike the other strategy of the ca- cannabis and the datura, she mentions but, uh, but he takes some measures in order not to look like he's taking uh, also these drugs. With the cocoa, he, he opts not to mention the aphrodisiac properties. But there is one colloquy which is the, great, the most important one for the discussion of this issue. And it's the colloquy about opium, is when he discusses opium. And this, uh, this chapter, this colloquium, uh, uh, it discusses matters of sexuality very openly, in a very open way, saying that uh, uh, opium improves sexual performance and other issues. Uh, We could say that uh, here, well, but well, he's a physician, maybe a physician would have more liberty to speak about these issues, Uh, but even him, he says this subject is not very decent, especially when discussed in Portuguese. (laughs) So, Even himself. Uh, What I think is that it is possible that since Orta had this eye protection for the publication of the book, that uh, the colloquies might not have been very scrutinized or not scrutinized at all by the censor. Uh, I think that's one possibility.
0: And speaking of, do we know anything about the contemporaneous impact the book actually had in Goa or in Portugal?
1: uh well uh, we know that uh, in Goa and Portugal there is this period between the publication 1563 and 1580 where probably the book circulated and uh, was it even went uh, once it was in Lisbon for example was bought and went to other countries like uh, happened with some copies uh, that were afterwards <clears throat> identified now exist in other countries, uh, but uh, the problem uh, appears uh, with with fifteen with the date fifteen eighty, because with the date fifteen eighty. Uh, well, f- just to, to clear things up, uh, the problem uh, the book might have circulated should have circulated between fifteen sixty three and fifteen eighty. Uh, but we don't have much evidence how it circulated, how many copies, from where to where. Okay. Uh, now, what happened with 1580? With 1580, uh, there was the posthumous condemnation of Garcia d'Orta. And with this posthumous condemnation, what was uh, uh, custom to do was that with the bones, also if, if the, the if it was an author, uh also the, the books and also the papers of the author would have been burned. So this had this had a strong negative impact in the circulation of the book in India and then in Portugal. Uh, it's not only that there was also a promulgation say after a few years after saying that uh, all the books written by heretics should be destroyed. And, if any remaining copies of the codices would have survived, they would have been destroyed. Uh, in, port- in Portugal, we don't have much evidence. We know that p- probably the Spanish were influenced by Portugal. P- Portugal, uh, by, by Portug- Portugal, yes, would have some copies from there, from Lisbon. Uh, but then, uh, also. We don't find the book in the indexes of the Inquisition from the 16th and the 17th centuries. There isn't any news of what, about the use of the colloquies. Authors using the colloquies, Portuguese authors using the colloquies, and so forth. So there is kind of we enter kind of a, this black uh, period. Of Orton himself, because Orton, because he only produced one book, he became so intertwined uh, the figure with 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 the book, uh, because in I think in part because he only produced one, uh, so uh, he became an erratic author. An erratic author is not authorized to publish any book. Uh, sometimes you don't need to be in the index of forbidden books in order to be. Uh, Uh, not authorized to circulate. Uh, Of course, you could still circulate. Imagine that you're a physician. You are very much interested in what Orta said about certain drugs in his book. There is only one copy, but there was like uh, 20 physicians who knew each other. Well, what would be the best strategy? would be to copy a few passages, to organize a few lists, and to copy, make copies of copies, and there are other kind of clandestine ways of circulating uh, books. And I think one of the ways of circulating, uh, uh, of the circulation of the of the colloquies afterwards in such a climate, climate uh, climate of secrecy, probably went to other ways of uh, manuscript culture to manuscript culture.
0: Right, and did it reach other parts of Europe?
1: And, uh, yes, it reached the other um, parts of um, of Europe, especially, of course, the the the, the Netherlands. About the Clusius. well, it was, well, was the, the person, the person in a way, kind of the person that was responsible for the book not not to erase itself in time, uh, because a very one year after. The book was published. He already had one copy in in his end. And very quickly, like four years after or so, he published an edition of the colloquies with a summary of what Orta had said and with his commentaries about what he had said. Um, And that produced four editions. Then this it was based also on clues that uh, an edition was published in Italian, translation in Italian. Quite a number of, 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 of copies in Italian, like six or so. And then it was also based on clues that a French translation was published. Two editions uh, were published. Uh, uh, the book had also an influence in in Spain, but not in such a, not not through the usual via by Clusius, but through the reading, because it's also easier for the Spanish to read Portuguese. Uh, so it was influential for authors such as Nicolas Monardes and uh, Juan Fragoso. Juan Fragoso was writing about also the same topic as Orta, medicinal uh, drugs of the East, uh, and he appropriated quite a lot of information from Orta without the knowledge, uh, almost not acknowledging where the information came from. But then there is another author, a Spanish author, but of, of Portuguese origin, but who lived most of his time in, in Spain who uh, also used the colloquies, but to declare even in the frontispiece that uh, the 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 name of Art and that he was very acknowledged to Garcia Orta and all the information he provided, and that his book would try to just develop, and and also he inserted some illustrations, which was something new. But the, the book was more innovative than was not just a copy. Of of Orta. But uh, what I want to say uh, is that there was an influential and a great influence uh, of uh, the colloquies also on Spanish authors. So if you cover the Italians, the French, the the Spanish, and the, the Portuguese are the ones who have apparently less information in the 16th century and 17th century and even 18th century.
0: That's interesting. Do you think that Garcia de Orta's experiences and his observations in India, did they change his approach to how medicine should be practiced?
1: Well, I think that throughout his life, I mean, he was his background is from Salamanca. He's a very erudite man. He keeps buying books uh, regularly from Europe so it's updated in terms of medicine as well and but and medicine continued to be very hippocratic and galenic so it continued to be very hippocratic and galenic but that doesn't mean that uh, it was not his practice didn't change it changed it changed when the old practice didn't work if he was treating uh, for example a disease like Asian cholera which was not known in europe then he was not going to use Hippocrates and Galeno. He was going to use something more close to indigenous traditions that, that where, it, where it was inserted. Uh, so he become more eclectic in terms of the various traditions he could recur to, uh, having still uh, as, reference, as, main, as main reference to Hippocratic and Galenic uh, tradition. It's also likely, I think uh, all, it's almost obvious, that Orta also started to give more importance to direct experience in his medical practice, not to be so bookish, although he continued to have, as I said, uh, very, uh, to, to, to buy books very frequently and to know, want to know what's happening in the field. Uh, and the, the best one, of, one phrase that describes Orta well is uh, Luis de Camões in his paratext of the colloquies. Uh, and it describes this as a more, more or less like this is a man of erudition and experience. Okay, that gives on one hand like the right side too much, very much importance to experience, but also very important, much importance to erudition. And that we can understand also that combination in the book of uh, all this. Old characters li- like uh, uh, ancient authors and modern authors that come from a tradition, and then the observation of the drugs, for example, at table tasting a drug uh, or, or a fruit and, and things like that. So, uh, uh, more or less, uh, yeah, yeah.
0: That pattern of taking on this new local indigenous knowledge seems to repeat itself as well in. Portuguese Brazil in the seventeenth century with develop the tropical yeah. medicine where you yeah. take on indigenous techniques and practices don't they
1: yes sure 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 uh, and we we even in even even in portugal we have some because we'm doing a a work with um with a colleague of mine. And we're studying, studying materia medica in literature, like in marginalia, that is marginalia, and that is other kind of things. And we have lots of ma- recipes coming from from Brazil from the 17th century, and we which combine indigenous knowledge and uh, more, more, more uh, ancient traditions. Uh, if from
0: now, you note that while the colloquies are primarily a medical and botanical work. They also present information on other matters in Goa and in China. Um, can you tell us about this?
1: Um, yes, well, the colloquies, by the very name indicates that, are presented as a set of conversations, and digressions are part of the art of conversation. Um, Orta provides, among others, uh, information on the Indian kings, uh, ways of life in Goa, Game of Chess, which is very interesting, this part to read, or Chinese, Chinese Merchants. Uh, there is a a, an, a very interesting chapter, a very interesting colloquy, which is Colloquy 10. And this Colloquy 10 is said, the title is, nothing to do with medicine, but it, it's here inserted at the request of Dr. Ruano so that Spanish can entertain themselves while, while reading the colloquies. And it's a bit part of the iconoclast spirit also of Garcia D'Orta, and he can't uh, be, uh, behave all, uh, well all the time <laughs> and insert this part. So I think this reason why does he insert this information, uh, one is to, in, to, to entertain the reader. You know, the book for, for Garcia D'Orta shouldn't be boring. That's. Well, I think that's one also with one of the reasons why he shows dialogue instead of, of of the other formats. I think it has to do with the potentially, of course, entertaining value of the book, and also the fact to the fact that interesting and curious news from distant pla- places shouldn't be discarded. They are valuable. They are valuable for all sorts of readers. If I can provide you with a game, uh, all the game. How the game of chess is, is is done, and you are in North Europe, and the game of chess is played so long, long, long distance from you. You're going, going to appreciate that, uh, especially if you have uh, also uh, this encompassing view that the reader sh- is not, shouldn't be a reader that's just restrained, you just just restrict to, uh, you know, physicians and the policariats who want to take care of the body. What well, this is about taking care of the mind as well. And, uh, this is maybe a, a more encompassing view of viewing, of viewing the body. Um, of course, uh, yes, of course, with Clusius, all those uh, news were taken out. It was kind of a cleaning a uh, cleaning operation that, that was done to to the book and the book um okay there were things that were gained in terms of the organization if you wanted to use the book for certain purposes it were things that were gained there were things that obviously were were lost but it's part of any process of appropriation
0: so as you mentioned in the colloquies um orta kind of appears to emphasize himself as a very respectable portuguese catholic um to what extent was this actually true? Was he indeed a converso, or did he continue to practice Judaism in Goa, as the Portuguese historian Augusta da Silva Carvalho has, has uh, asserted?
1: Okay, so uh, it was not true. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but it was the image he wanted to give of himself. Uh, and th- that image that I alluded to before, that image of a respectable Portuguese, Catholic, successful physician, because it was good to protect himself, his family, publication of the colloquies. Those were the three main important th- tasks that he wanted to secure. So, uh, if, uh, uh, in th- the fact that he was officially a converso, a new Christian, of course, doesn't mean that he couldn't practice Judaism secretly, secretively. And that was what uh, 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 Joaquin de Silva Carvalho argued in his book, uh, in this article from 1934. And that was also what his sisters, uh, during the judgment by the Inquisition, uh, suggested or said but they were being tortured, uh, that he was in, in, indeed a crypto Jew.
0: So uh, we talked in the beginning about uh his reversal of fortune after the publication of the Colloquies. What happened to him after the book was published?
1: Uh well, well the reversal of fortune um, was not exactly with him, but with his family. Uh okay. okay. One Garcia uh, Dorta, when he published, by the time he was publishing the Colloquies, it was for the time for the time of the time uh, for the um, for that time already significant old or old, and he was a bit ill but the the reversal of fortune was for his family because the the problem uh, 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 started to happen when, once he died, he died in 1568 and that protection that they always had since they arrived in Goa after being even persecuted by the Inquisition and once you're persecuted by the Inquisition, you become, you are more like likely of being persecuted again by the Inquisition. So he died, and no protection anymore from Garcia de Orta, and they were persecuted again by the Inquisition. And during this uh, persecution, uh, they uh, one of the things they did, but that they, it was under torture and we need to also in this way, uh, was that they accused Garcia de Orta of uh, Encouraging them to practice Jewish rituals, including the Sabbath and the Kippur and other Jewish rituals. They also denounced um, that uh, after Garcia D'Orta died, uh, that uh, Jewish rituals were followed in the treatment of his body. Uh, So then, especially the sister, Katerina, uh, was the one that was more... uh, uh, um, she she died in 1569 something like that. Uh, no, and the, the sister Catarina. So it was all this denouncing, denouncing all this situation of Jew, of Arte practicing Jewish rituals and encouraging them to practice Jewish rituals that led to the posthumous out of the fair later on in 1580 and in this out of the fair that the, uh, then what happened to the for example to the to the to ortho's uh, wife what happened to Orta's daughters or Orta, uh, to had two daughters and uh, wife uh, with uh, she was also jew uh, the wife brianna de solis and uh, she was apparently very rich so Supp- it's supposedly maybe they went to amsterdam which was a place where many Jews went, uh, but uh, there is this part of the story that we don't know exactly what happened. We just uh, know that uh, Orta or had uh, this posthumous out of the with the consequences that we already discussed in terms of her work and of the circulation of her work, especially in Portugal and India.
0: So, as as part of this, he was subjected to his posthumous out of the himself in 1580. And his remains were actually exhumed and, as we said, publicly burned. Um, now, around the same time, of course, as we know, uh, we saw the unification of Portugal and Spain under the rule of Philip II, uh, the Spanish Habsburgs. Did this have any discernible impact on the lives of Jews or conversos in Portuguese India, or was it was it just business as usual?
1: Um, I think, uh, sincerely, I think that uh, it was a bit of business as, Jew, as usual, just just because... Uh, the Inquisition in Goa, of all the Inquisitions that Portugal had, and it had several by this time, was the fiercest one, was the one that treated people more badly uh, and, or killed them uh, even, of course. Uh, so uh, I think that's just because of this reason. I, I, I think it didn't change very much because Castella, uh Castella, And then Spain was also very hard in terms of the Inquisition. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. And obviously a result of this was, of course, a suppression of uh, Orta's work after his death, which, as we know, disappeared for three odd centuries. Um, How was it rediscovered in the 19th century then?
1: Uh, Well, uh, it was was said to be rediscovered. Uh, But uh, probably, I mean... It was not really rediscovered because we know that all, altogether, when we mentioned the different the impact of in Europe of the colloquies, there were several editions uh, made by Clusius there were even in Italian, which is a language very close to Portuguese, uh, in French, well, there were at least medical doctors who, from a high position in society, would have known something about the existence of the colloquies, What didn't apparently circulate were was the original version of the colloquies, But in Clusius' uh, adaptation of the Colloquies, the name of Garcia da Horta was there. It was not like it was erased. It was there. Uh, so... Uh, We didn't have uh, apparently an original version of the colloquies. And that's here that comes this story uh, with the character Lima Leitão, a real, uh, not fictional character, but a real character. He was a physician. Uh, He was in Brazil for some time during his Mm -hmm. career, and he... In, 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 effaced a copy of the original colloquies in the main library of Rio de Janeiro, which is still the main library where old books are. And he was fascinated by the book uh, because this book—I uh, mean, all the frontispices uh, that completely erased an inclusive co- copy, and all the details, the fact that it's in dialogue, you know, in Portuguese, Portuguese language, and all that. It fascinated him. So he wanted to have a copy for himself as well. Uh, he had a mission uh, in in Goa a few years after, just because he was a military physician or a physician who worked for the military. Um, and then when he was in Goa, he tried to find again the, the copy, uh, the original copy, but he didn't find any. Uh, wonder, wonder! He didn't find any. He find what he found was a copy of the edition by Clusius, which is well, well, more 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 current even now. If if you want to, to people who are very rich can buy one of those editions. Uh, so he, he came back to Portugal a bit uh, disillusioned, without uh, having acquired the copy of the Colloquist. But this is the story they tell. That's um, the story I'm, tell- <laughs> I'm telling you is the story they tell. Uh, and then it was a bit disillusioned, and, but ended up finding a copy of the original colloquies in an old bookseller in Josiu here, uh, in, in, in the center of Lisbon. And it was a member of the Medical Society of Lisbon. And having a copy it started, uh, it opened up the discussion. Why don't we make another copy, a new edition of the colloquies, and uh, and the, it started the discussion. There are you know meetings, uh, the arguing for the publication that the value is so the work is so valuable that then it needs to be done and things things like that. Uh, but it's it's what is strange is that. The issue of, or, 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 of why hasn't a, a copy of the colloquies been discovered before? Why hasn't it been discussed that author was such an important figure in history of medicine? That doesn't appear in those discussions. It is a bit like like uh, it is a past that has completely erased and it is just by mere chance that a guy goes to to a notebook shop and, find, and fi- finally And finally finds the holy grail of the history of medicine. So it was a a bit like that. And then they decided to make the publication, but it was a complicated process and it took a bit of
0: time. So when the original text was rediscovered in the 19th century in Lisbon, um, was its importance immediately recognized?
1: Yes, it was importantly emitted that from the medical point of view, it contained uh, this, it contained statements that were very original. Well, it was the, that old thing of the the pioneer, the the the, the status of Orta as a, as a pioneer started uh, uh, more or less in 1841, which was when this copy was discovered in several meetings of the, that society, medical society, and they all already said, oh, no, this is very new, this is... And uh, the, the author was a pioneer, and, uh, and, and so that, that the fact that it was the golden the, the age of the Portuguese discoveries, but it coincided also as well. Uh, maybe that also had an influence with the project of the Portuguese Academy of Sciences to publish uh, manuscripts or works that were not very known uh, in Portugal associated with the Portuguese discoveries in order to present kind of uh, uh, an argument saying that we were pioneer in these fields. And it was kind of a, a, a strategy, a political, uh, a political aim, a scientific and political aim. We, and the colloquies fitted also this This uh, uh, fits it well within this this this
0: objective. And can you tell us then about um, the importance of uh, Carvalho's work in 1934, in "quote unquote" rehabilitating? Garcia d'Orta's reputation as a physician and, and as a botanist of great significance.
1: Yes, I think Joaquín de Carvalho, It didn't exactly rehabilitate Garcia d'Orta. What it did, uh, because the, the work of rehabilit- of the, the rehabilitating work of Garcia d'Orta come from before, was done by his predecessors, uh, predecessors that can date back to that discovery of the, collo- of the copy of the Colloquies, and all the, that. That uh, I, I say that he is a, a pioneer of tropical medicine. What uh, is his is, is, is importance? Joaquín de Carvalho. Personally, I think Joaquín de Carvalho is the greatest uh, scholar ever of Garcia Dorta. Because it was really very innovative, uh, it provided um, very important insights into, into the, the biography of Garcia Dorta. Until then, there were dates were mistaken, the places where he was born, where Orta was born, were mistaken, and other things like that. Uh, it provided uh, quite a full geolo- ge- um, genealogical tree of Garcia Dorta. Uh, he also discovered through this genealogical tree and through the analysis of the, um, of the trials of his family, uh, discovered the Orta's Jewish roots uh, and he arg- argued for the practice of crypto-Judaism of Orta. This last finding was problematic for scholars in Portugal. Uh, the first they couldn't deny uh, that he was uh, Jewish, Jew, Jew, Jew and that he was Jew of, of Spanish, even origins, that they couldn't deny. But the, the last one, the crypto-Judaism, was problematic. Uh, um, Joaquin de Carvalho had also an impact in the interpretation of the colloquies. Uh, because usually, and still by some, the interpretation of the colloquies is literal. And in certain, in certain, some differences in this respect. For example, in Orta's visits to the island of Bombay or uh, his visits to other parts of India, he re-signified them as an opportunity for Orta to practice Jewish rituals, and it was also uh, in West, was who dealt with the issue of Catholicism when García Ortega was speaking about Catholicism and said, maybe he was not uh, really saying uh, that he wanted to, that he was a Catholic. He was just being prudent. Then, so the issue uh, of, of prudence, the, the great importance of prudence, which is also very very important for any Jew or for any new Christian, uh, was really uh, developed. Uh, for um, by, by Joaquin de Carvalho. So, but it was not uh, clear cut, that especially bec- because there were some priests who argued against Joaquin de Carvalho and said, no, 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 he was a Catholic. Look, he's saying he's a Catholic. So how could he not be a Catholic? Uh, the problem of, of, of course, of the literal readings of 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 books, and also of uh, yeah. Of the and of the background yeah, that person already brings with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, um, finally then, where do you think Orta actually fits or belongs in, in the Portuguese history of science?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. Um, I think Garcia d'Orta definitely plays a key role in the Portuguese history of science and also in the history um, of the Sephardic diaspora. Um, it's, it's also in terms of, um, academia and students, his reference is obligatory for, stud- for students of history and the empire and also for history of science. Um, one, one of the main advantages I think is that from the perspective of one book, uh, not only science but or empire but also cultural political and social it's a very rich work you can uh, approach several things several dimensions just from the perspective of one book and it is advantageous that it's one book then but then you can correlate it to other books obviously you're not going to use just one book and so but it is a very rich book and i think it's very useful from that point of view uh, well, I think it's also valuable work for historiography because you can um, discuss different ways uh, throughout history how uh, Garcia d'Orta was treated in history, how was he viewed historiographically. So it's he, he also rich from that point of view. Um, so finally, uh, I think the multifaceted nature and I think it's really a work that is Multifaceted nature uh, as, a, as a multifaceted nature of the colloquies. Um, also, the, due to the, the place and time when it was produced um published, uh, it contributes also to other areas as well as the global history. As w- of course, it's a bit difficult sometimes to discuss like what's the separation between uh, global history and science and empire. It depends on the perspective you take doing yourself science and empire uh, if you take a big uh, uh, a significant number of studies on art were conducted by scientists and physicians I would say that uh, the majority during the first um, the second half of the 19th century and the, the, the during the 20th century uh, uh, they dominated a bit the, the study of uh, a Gracia Uh, But in the last two decades, uh, he and his colleagues and his colloquies have attracted the attention of Portuguese and international historians and uh, who have enabled a more detailed, comparative and contextualized view of his contribution.
0: Palmira Fontes de Acosta, thank you very much.
1: Thank you.